Saw she saw. If you're just joining us, I am Corey. And I am Keith. And we love movies. Just not the same ones. So we make each other watch a movie that we love. But the other would never watch unless we were doing a podcast together. And we talk about it. So this episode's theme is mm-hmm. Irish, Ireland, Irish people, Irish stories. It's Irish themed. It's our St. Patrick's Day episode. You have lived the life of an Irish person. Yes, I was uh, the wizened old age of six, (laughs) but my dad, he went there before us. He helped build a couple factories and helped oversee them, and he was gone for about a year, and we were there for one of the summers. So you got to live there. I did. Keith and I are both Irish. Mm-hmm. Actually, Keith, your family thought they were Scottish. That is correct. We thought we're from the Clan McClendon, and we thought we were... Scottish until I was about 20. <laughs> and then we had a, a relative go back genealogy wise and went to Scotland and was like, I'm having trouble with this one. And they were like, yes, that's because that person's probably Irish. You need to go <laughs> Wrong a, country. an island over. And so the person went an island over. And sure enough, it was like, oh, no, that makes sense now. No, that's so, where we are. Yeah. Which is funny because the movie that I have chosen uh, has a lot to do with genealogy and finding genealogy. So... This perfect. And that movie is The Matchmaker, starring Janine Garofalo. It's got Dennis Leary, um, Miles O'Shea, which I don't think he's in with us any longer. Cause he when was you a showed bit me old. the preview for it, it mm-hmm. was like everyone had an O. You know, it's an Irish cast. And then you're going to have me watch something that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get through Boondock Saints, mm-hmm. which, yes, is pretty much the epitome of movies that. Corey doesn't like, so... Is there a lot of fight scenes? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. You want to be going to the bathroom a lot. And I'm going to be pausing a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, uh, it's in the vein of true romance. It's one of those movies that was inspired clearly by true romance. Action-packed, mm, so... Because I make a mess. Maybe. Oh, God. Okay. I think this is my watching from the hallway. It's like when everybody makes a mess. I just can't handle it. Well, it makes me look around at my own mess and go, oh, I need to clean up. And I'm gonna about to watch, if the preview you showed me is correct, I'm going to be watching 90 minutes of awkward social interaction. So I'm going to be doing great. From the hallway. <laughs> Top of the morning to you. Was that good? That was outstanding. The Matchmaker. What would you think? Watching it again. I feel like it was a match made in heaven. Really? Yeah. It's delightful. I love all the people in the movie. So I'm just like so curious as to what you thought about it. So I guess I feel like we should just get into it. So do you have a pitch for this movie? Sure. A cynical career woman is forced to travel to Ireland to save a U.S. senator's political campaign. Will she pull off the impossible or will the local matchmaker help her score something even better? No, maybe All right, so one of the important things to know about this movie, it's kind of set up like When Harry Met Sally, 
And so there's some interspersed interviews of a matchmaker, the delightful matchmaker played by Milo O'Shea. Just so you know, there's a bunch of, I'm not going to pause every time they happen, but they happen throughout the movie. And they're all very cute and very Irish. And well, and they kind of set the tone for a portion of the movie. Yeah. We start in Boston with a very overwhelmed Janine Garofalo in the midst of a office in the in the 90s. It's a political campaign There's a lot of very obvious fax machines around. <laughs> We're in the middle of this office and Jean Garofalo is just, why am I here? And we meet her boss who is Senator McGlory. Dennis Leary is the chief of staff who's like running the campaign and he's just, he's very slimy, very caustic, very, very smart as well, very biting. Mm-hmm. But not the senator. The senator is just a big dumb teddy bear. We never find out why his campaign is in so much trouble besides the fact he's just just well, a big they dumb teddy bear. heavily are hinting about some sort of affair or something. Or multiple affairs. Yeah, and because the, they're talking about family values. And, and the other guy's hammering him on family values. and so Because there's some sort of scandal that it, that's happened. Or three. It's like, Man, yeah, yes. as, as the movie goes on, <laughs> there's like... like what? And we never know what the scandals are. But so to save the campaign, they need to do something. And so it's like, Jenny, well, you, you got to go to Ireland and find the other McGlory's so we can prop up his Irish heritage. And so she absolutely does not want to do that, but it's her job to do whatever they say. So she goes to Ireland to the small town where he's evidently from. Ballinagraw. Yeah. And so they're driving into town. There's like two morons driving the bus it's full of women there's not even a seat for janine garofalo so she's just in the middle of the aisle then one of the guys starts singing an irish song danny boy this pathetic version of danny boy and the girls kind of go along with it and then another bus is going the other direction and that one's full of guys and so the girls all look at the guys and the guys are on the side looking at the girls everybody's checking each other out the guy who's driving is he's with spinning with anyone who's a woman no he's smitten with marcy when she gets on the bus he's like checking her out the whole time yeah so marcy's finding out that there's a matchmaking festival that's why one bus is all women and one bus was all men and then marcy like falls down a little bit the driving doofus is like staring at her and they're like watch the road and so he turns around and the bus runs right into this canvas matchmaking festival sign that completely covers the the windshield windshield. and so of course what he does is he doesn't break he just starts he keeps driving and turning (laughs) and the guy who's singing danny boy before is thrown off of the bus into like a boat of fish and he finally breaks right before the whole bus is dumped into the ocean that's right there and so it's a matchmaking festival so there is no hotel rooms anywhere in this place she's at this hotel and kelly's at kelly's And so she's like, I know this is short notice. I know the matchmaking festival. Do you have a room? And so the hotel's like, well, no. And then they, she says, do you know if any place else does? And so we have an Irish conversation. There's a lot of Irish conversations in this that go (laughs) back and forth, back and forth. Any conversation that can be had in five sentences will be had in 20. (laughs) And so. And then she's like, oh, well, I have something that's a little bijou. I like bijou. Bijou's good. She gets super tiny postage stamp room that's like at the top of the hotel. Opens up the door and there's the moron from earlier. She's like, very briefly in the lobby. He's in her bathtub. Taking a bath. Taking a bath. Then she's like, I'm sorry. I thought this was my bathroom. And then she looks and she looks and she's like, actually, this is my bathroom. (laughs) Why are you in my bathroom? And he's like, well, because I like the bath in here. And she's like, 
this is my room. And she's like, can you just tell me when you're done? Then he's like, oh, like five minutes. She calls him Patty. She's like, hey, Patty. And he's like, we're not all Patties. She's like, fine, what's your name? And he goes, oh, I'm Sean. And she goes, okay. Yeah. But she calls him Patty. Yeah. (laughs) And so she goes to sleep that night. She's hearing like this thumping. She cannot take it anymore. So she goes next door and she knocks and it's the moron again. And she's like, I'm hearing thumping. And I really got to go to sleep. It's like, oh, that's just my dog. So the dog kind of comes over and flips on his back. And Sean rubs her belly with his foot. And when he does that, the dog's tail starts thumping. Against the wall. Against the wall. And she's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just closes the door in her face. So she goes back to her room. And, of course, the thumping starts again because <laughs> he's that nice, which means he's not at all. And so. Wow, I wonder how you feel about him. <laughs> The next morning, she goes downstairs. Anywhere this Marcy character goes, everyone is staring at her. She's American, so everyone's staring at her. She's very striking, opposed to everyone else she sees, even beyond her just being American. She looks different. Like the girl with the... The, the dun, headband. Dun, 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 the velvet headband. Uh, about black the, velvet band. Yeah, the, the black velvet band. Yeah, it's so like in the... The girl with the black velvet band. Yeah, so she's <laughs> like stopping traffic wherever she goes, and everyone's like, oh, wow, the American, she looks Plus different. it's like a super small town. Goes down to the bar area. The bar And she is spotted by the matchmaker, and she's like, look, I'm working for the senator. I need to find his family. And so he's like, oh, you need to go to the souvenir shop. And she's like, okay. (laughs) So she goes to the souvenir shop, and sure enough, there's a guy who also looks like he's about 90 (laughs) working in the shop. He says, oh, yeah, no, I can help you. And he points to a sign that says Genealogy Center and an arrow that goes up. He's very proud of his paper sign. Yeah. (laughs) And so she goes up into into a little study, which is like, a study that only a 90-year-old man can have. There are papers everywhere. Piles. Of piles upon piles. Everything's got a stack of papers on it. And so Janine's... But he knows where everything is. Yeah, he's like, no, no, I got a system. And Janine's like, uh, okay, he's not promising when he'll be done because mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult. Marcy is not going to wait for this guy. She's a woman of action. She is. The matchmaker keeps following her because like any smart local, it's like, oh, I'm going to be your fixer. So it's a big matchmaking festival. All the pubs are full. And so she's like, okay, well, let me start going to pubs. And so she goes to a, a pub. Which is owned actually by another matchmaker. She makes an announcement that, hey, I work for this very important senator. His family are the McGlories, and they came from this city. To Boston. Three generations ago. If you could help me out, I'm going to be at this hotel at this time. We would like to meet you. Mm-hmm. And she keeps running into Sean, who is just kind of. Who was using her bath. Yeah. And he's just going to have beer wherever she goes. <laughs> He just is amused by her. This pub, which is owned by the other matchmaker, she's so angry to see Dermot in the Dermot. film. He's the, he's the competition, so she's always angry to see him. And she he's like, tries to kick him out. She basically says, I bet you 50 that you can't hook up the American with Sean. And he's like, uh, how about we make it 100? And she's like, oh, we're on. So they shake on it. They go to all these pubs and so on and so forth. They go to a polo match. They go to a karaoke bar. And she does her pitch about, hey, come meet me if you're a McGlory. So that night at 4 p.m., they walk into the pub and it is just full. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And Sean's like, hey, it's a great turnout. And she's like, yeah. He's like, kind of strange they're all men, though. (laughs) And so she looks at him. Gets up on a table and she's like, if any of you are here just to propose to me, the answer is no. So you need to leave. Everyone leaves except for this kind of very Irish looking, nice poindexter type guy. And he's like, did you say if you're going to propose, you need to stay? (laughs) 
or leave. And she's like, leave. He's like, all right, then. The matchmaker is like, there's a guy I need you need to see. Problem is, he's in the Aran Islands. You're going to need to get someone to, to take you out there because there's no ferry to get out there. So I'll have a person for you. And we, we cut to Boston. And the senator is even in more trouble than he was before. Like, that was possible. And they're like, you've got to make this work. This and she's like, only thing. she's like, I think I got a lead. I think I got you. It'll be okay. Somewhere in the midst of all this, we find out that Sean is the bartender at the pub that she's staying at. The at, at the hotel. At Kelly's. And that it's a family-owned business. It's a family-owned business, and it's run by basically Sean and his brother, who's the moron who got shifted off the bus earlier and has broken his entire left leg. So he's got a full when left leg cast. When he gets thrown from the bus. And so they, like, fight with each and other. And his long-suffering wife. Yeah, his long, I mean, let's be honest. The long-suffering wife makes this thing happen. Oh, I love her so much. And she just. <laughs> She's the best. Sean and his brother together have a, a total age of 12 between them. Yeah. Like, they are always oh, yeah. punching each other, pushing each other, like yeah. playing practical jokes on each other. Like shoving uh, the one with the broken leg out the door, down the steps. And <laughs> <laughs> slamming the door behind it. And then standing at it for a little bit to kind of like make sure he can't get out easily. And the long-suffering wife is like, yeah, I used to be, I don't understand what happened, but he used to be a really good journalist. And he came home and we don't know why. The next morning we get up and oh my gosh, who is it that Milo has gotten to take Marcy off to see this guy, Sean. Patty. He's hired me to take you, so I'm going to take you. And why did you tell him that you wanted me specifically? Yeah, and she's like, I didn't say that! And then just in time for a ferry to go behind them. And she's like, where's that ferry going? And Sean's going, oh, the Aran Islands. And she's like, of course it is. Yeah, so he takes her to to Aran Island, and they are going up to in in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It's like... I flew over Ireland one time. I remember from the air, it's all, it was green with just like rock walls everywhere. Like not walls, but like rock. Yeah, rock cliffs. Rocks placed in piles like everywhere. That's yeah. what it looks like. And so they're winding up this road and suddenly this guy just starts yelling him in an Irish. And throwing rocks at him and. <laughs> she's like, say something to him in Irish. Yeah. And so he yells something and she's like, he stopped throwing rocks. He's like, well, yeah, I had said I had to use the toilet. And so they head up. They go in his house, and there's this picture of this woman who's his wife. His wife. And he's like, yeah, I'm just really kind of lonely. Yeah, I miss her. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry she passed. And he's like, what are you saying? She's a, she's just visiting her sister. She's on holiday. She's on holiday. Oh, my gosh. Then he's the most ridiculous person He just, ever. oh, my gosh. He goes off. He's one of those people where it's like, I know I'm dumber now that I've had a conversation with you. No, and he's just talking. and they think he's cute because he's like super bipolar. He's like yelling at them. But he's like, well, you'll have coffee? You will, you will. So finally, they get to the actual, I'm trying to find the McGlory's. And then the guy goes, oh, well, you know, they went to here and here and here. But none of them went to Boston. And I'm so surprised you're asking me because I told that to Dermot last night. And so Marcy's <laughs> ready to kick something. And so they leave. And they're walking back and they start to have a conversation. And Marcy says, why'd you stop being a journalist? And he's like, I was just writing the stories they wanted to me like off the fluff of, off of the press release that were sent to me. And I just didn't want to be a cog like that. And she's like, but that seems kind of cush. And he's like, yeah, but it doesn't really jive with the young heroics of why you want to get into journalism in the first place. So I like being a bartender and it's way more real than anything you do or any journalist does. She's like, oh, yeah, I kind of get it. And 
She closes her eyes just to kind of feel the Irish wind in her hair. He's like, I'll go for it. Well, because some chemistry has been happening. Uh, yeah, maybe. He gives her a kiss on the cheek and she like freaks out and is like, oh, we can't let Dermot be we right. We don't want to let Dermot be right. So she suddenly starts to become youthful and starts skipping along the hills because she's... She's running away from him. Yeah, she's skipping. Well, no, she's not running away from him. She's no, like playing like a little girl. I know girl what she's and... doing. I did it at prom. <laughs> Wow. Okay. My prom date was a, a friend, mm-hmm. and I knew that he liked me a lot. Uh-huh. And um, so I, uh, as we, he was dropping me off at my house at the end of the evening, I basically jumped out of a moving car. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks. Like, I can say thanks. It's, so it's well I know what done. she's doing. It's well practiced. <laughs> so she's like getting away. I'm like, oh, look, I'm being young and free. And it's like, okay. run right now. Yeah, and so she runs off a cliff. Well, not a, not a cliff, <laughs> not but a big one. she jumps off some rocks and doesn't realize that it's a farther drop than she thought. He ends up putting her on his back, and they finally get to town. He carries her to a pub. Carries her, and of course, they stop absolute traffic because here's this <laughs> loud American who asks for the two largest whiskeys you've ever poured. Where's the phone? And she walks by someone in Gaelic says, "God be with you," and she's like, "No thanks." And <laughs> Leave me alone. And then another guy looks at Sean and says, oh, she looks like a heavy carry. Anyway, so she. I think she... he meant like spiritually, like mentally. I don't think he meant like physically. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. So she calls Boston and say, look, there's no one here. They're like, oh, no, it's got to be. I got to be from somewhere. I wasn't just. I don't remember what he said. Yeah, born in a test tube somewhere. <laughs> And she's like, ah. She walks back into the pub, and everyone's being quiet and looking at her. And one of the guys says, I was hoping you could help us with something. We have a bet going on who's the best singer, so we need a single woman to help decide for us. She's like, this isn't a make fun of the tourist thing, is it? But like, no, no. And you're like, okay, yeah, He's they like, are. go on. Go on. <laughs> and so they have several Irish people singing with a lot of liquid courage. So you have all these bits of different Irish folk songs and people sing for a little bit. No one's a superstar and everyone's singing along by like the second verse. Marcy's getting more and more charmed by these people. And then this guy says, I'll have a go. I didn't find him dreamy, but you can tell like, okay, this guy's supposed to be the dreamy one. So he kind of goes, and and he's got a trained voice. And he looks at her like the whole time and she's like, all right. She's mesmerized. And so they're like, okay, well, who's the winner? And she's like, well, what does the winner get? And they're like, a kiss from the judge. And out of nowhere, Sean stands up, kind of screeches out, which, to be fair, is not much worse than some of the other voices they've heard. But, like, he gets done, and everyone's like, what, what was that? Was that? And, <laughs> and Marcy saves him and starts clapping. Uh-huh. And he's like, uh-huh. And she's like. And he's very proud of himself. He's very proud of himself. <laughs> And she's like, for the winner. And she goes over and gets a nice, soft kiss on the cheek to the dreamy one, one, which pisses Sean off to no end. (laughs) And she's like, you've got to know that you're Barnum, the worst singer I have ever heard in my life. (laughs) But it was very sweet (laughs) that you did it. So that night, go to their separate room. Marcy goes to her bed and kind of like looks up and it's like, (sighs) so she gets out and kind of tiptoes over to his room. She knocks on Sean's door. The door right next to it opens up and it's dreamy. uh, dreamy. And he's like, hey. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, wrong room. And like tiptoes back and he's like, really? (laughs) And then Sean's door opens and he like looks at McDreamy and McDreamy (laughs) kind of looks at him. He's like, no, 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 no. And they both close the door because... We're homophobic in the 90s. Marcy's in in her room. Mm -hmm. 
And she hears a knock and opens up. And it's McDreamy saying, hey, I just wanted to collect the rest of my prize from earlier. Slam the doors in his face. <laughs> and then another knock. And she opens it and it's Sean. The next morning, we're in the boat driving back. They're being all flirty McFlirty with each other. The matchmaker is on a cliff and he can seize the boat coming. Well, they're having a wedding. So, so one of the weddings that he set up is Yeah, on one of the, the weddings is on the cliff with, with 20 people or whatever. And so he like sees the boat and he knows it's Sean's voice. So he's waving his arms. He's saying, don't go home. <laughs> in the middle Don't of a wedding. Home. In the middle of a wedding. Everyone's kind of looking at him. Like, and then we cut to the boat, and Sean and, and Sean and Marcy are like, oh, hey, and they wave at him. He's like, no, don't go home. But he's too far away from them to understand you. They just see the waving. And everyone's like looking at him like, "You, we're getting married here. You realize that, right? But there's only 20 people. It's like, oh, sorry. And kind of gets back. Continue. Continue. So they get back, and they go to Sean's house. And they go in through the back door, and there is Saffron... Burrows. Is that her name? Yeah. That's a that's a good name. Was uh, she a devil's advocate? No, I know what you're saying though. She is not to be confused with Saffron from Absolutely Fabulous. Yeah. So she is You don't know what I'm saying. No, I don't. But I'll take your word for it. You're like, yeah. She is safely about five hundred times more attractive than anyone else in this movie besides oh, Janine Garofalo. Everybody she's, she's clearly the most attractive woman yeah. in the whole movie. So Marcy walks in and, and she's like, Who are you? And Saffron's like, Oh, well, I'm his wife. Her name's Moira. So Marcy cannot get out of the house fast enough. And, and he's like, well, no, wait, we're separated. And I'm just like, mm-hmm, yeah, guy. And She steals his car. Steals his car. <laughs> and Marcy is understandably completely pissed. And so she drives the car back to the souvenir shop, takes the keys, and throws them off the dock. Into the sea. Into the sea. She bursts in. Right up through the genealogy center, and the guy's like, "What? Wait, wait, I can't!" He's like, because like, we, we, yeah, and we've mentioned this. Like, she's literally like greased the wheels more. He's like, "Oh, it'll take a few weeks," and she's giving him an untold amount of money. That's uh-huh. way too much. And the guy's like, "No, no, don't!" It's like, "No, I'll, I'll get it." It's just, it, it takes a while. And she's like, "What are you covering? <laughs> what are you hiding? What are you hiding?" Like, he's like, "Nothing." And so she pushes past him, takes off an accordion folder, and there is, I think it's the Apple II CE. And so she's like you've had this the whole time. This is everything I need, right? And he's like, mm. <laughs> and so she types him in glory and there's nothing. Zero matches. Zero matches. So she goes to the hotel and lo and behold, there is a senator because things have gone so poorly. They've just had to get out. Sean also gets there at the time and is like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, they, they call they the nuclear me. option. I have yeah. to find people who will say they're in glory so we can get the footage. We need video footage. We're going we're gonna to fake this. And so she asks the matchmaker, can you set up a people family. who will get paid to do this? Sean is just like, that's not okay. That goes against his you know, high morals as a bartender. Anyway, so. A journalist. Yeah, yeah, who quit. Dermot tells Sean, can you believe she asked me to, to help? So you got to come tomorrow. And so that night, there's a big party because it's a matchmaking festival and they're trying to hook everybody up. Marcy's feeling bad. The senator is just being a senator and being nice to everybody and smiling and acting like people are acting like he's a big deal because he's a U.S. senator in Ireland. And we've had JFK oh, yeah. Kenny on the wall huge deal. everywhere, <laughs> like throughout this entire little city. Which is why they're doing this whole prank. Yeah. One of the reasons Marcy's so upset is she looks over and there's Sean. With Moira. She doesn't see what's what's going on, but where Sean and Moira are actually kind of fighting. And he's like, look, just you got to quit coming around when your boyfriend's dumped you. Please divorce me. And she's like, 
fine, I'll divorce you. And he's so ecstatic that they kiss. And, of course, all Marcy sees is the kiss. Mm -hmm. And so she's even madder. (laughs) And we've established that Moira has certain tastes in men, in money, in power. And she's like, so who is that anyway? And it's like, oh, I'll introduce you. And she's like... You're not going to introduce. And he's like, no, 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 we are. Sean uh, brings up Moira to meet the senator. And he's like, hey, senator, it is so nice to meet you. And it's just, gosh, you're such a hard guy to pin down. Like Marcy says so many good things about you. And you know, I just got to look it up. And like on everything, you flip and flop so much, whether it's healthcare or payments or da, 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 da. No one knows where you stand. He's you being know? a journalist. Sean shakes the hand, pulls him in close and says, you better be half the man. That Marcy thinks you are because she's working like heck to help you. Mm. Here's my beautiful ex-wife that I don't care about anymore and leaves the table. And so Marcy is just still upset. And so she's so angry. And so she keeps drinking, keeps drinking, goes outside. And we've had this obnoxious limo the whole time (laughs) that has been driving around the Senate. And everyone's like, oh, the president's here. Marcy just sees it. And is just mad at what she's having to do the next day. And she's pissed at Sean and herself for what she's done. Yeah, and so she starts kicking the car a little bit. So a few women like rush up to her, and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, he's just a jerk. And they're like, what did he do to you? And then the next scene, we have like five women, including Marcy, jumping up and down on the limo. They're They're just destroying this. And then there's a couple of like teen punks who like see this, and they're like, really? Are we allowed to do that? Really? Okay. And then they start like beating up the car as well. And then the police show up in comically... Like, throughout the whole movie, like, the slowest car ever. Marcy is so drunk, and the teenagers are so stupid. Like, the other girls get out of there, Mm -hmm. and Marcy doesn't understand what's happening until they've got their hands on her. They get to the police station, and Sean tries to bail her out, and she's like, I won't do that. In fact, I'm going to do both these guys. And goes, whatever, because you're a jerk. And the teenagers, that's the best thing they've ever heard. He goes, and you wanted to go to a film? Yeah. (laughs) The next morning... Sean picks her up. And so they go to Well, they have this... to take a bike because um, he's like, where are my keys? She's like, uh. <laughs> and so they bike all the way to this farm in the middle of nowhere where they meet the new McLaurys. And they're like, hey, thanks, Marcy, for doing this. And Marcy's feeling bad about it. They walk in and they've got like a camera crew. And this is like the 90s. So this is like full on big news camera. They come into this one room house. Dermot is selling it. So this is just the worst family <laughs> the dad ish type character is not even wearing pants he's wearing... you know who that was no who is that it? was the nutty guy from before oh okay that was him okay he hired him he hired him to and come he over. is playing up the part yeah he has his thermals on no pants doesn't have his dentures in yeah acting like a crazy person yeah they have the worst possible reunion there's like a donkey in the kitchen with them marcy and sean are trying not to die laughing They have no footage out of this. And so the senator storms out and Dennis is so mad. Yell at Marcy. And I think they fire her if I remember right. It's a big confrontation. And Marcy's like, no, you don't understand. This was crap. This was everything against everything that I thought you stood for. You're not firing me. I quit. And starts to storm away. And that's where, for the first time the whole movie, the senator grows a pair. He's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, he tells Dennis, go to the car. (laughs) And he goes to Marcy. He's like, look, you are so important to the campaign. You are absolutely right. This was crap. We shouldn't have done this. This was wrong. We need you. Will you please stay on the campaign? And she's like, okay, look, against my better judgment, sure, but no more of this. And he's like, no, no, there won't be. After that, they're kind of in the hotel. They're trying to figure out what to do. Dennis is like, well, we're in the middle of a matchmaking festival. We need to do family values. They're in the midst of this. 
And unfortunately, this is the point where it's an Irish movie, so someone's got to die. So, of course, the adorable matchmaker, he's feeding his pigeons and leaves his pigeon coop and he drops the bucket, which lets us know he's having a heart attack. It's to his den. As he sits, he just realizes this is it. And so on the wall, he has all of the couples that he's married. And he's just looking at each at each of them and he's like all right you can tell he doesn't say a word but he's no. a good irish actor he's just, so like, smiling he's just looking and he's like you know this was a life well lived <laughs> you know and he dies <laughs> and so john's the one who finds him they call the pub sarah kelly who's sean's sister-in-law sister-in-law. working the front desk gets the call Star and she's like film. marcy dermot's dead <laughs> And so she starts crying and Marcy walks over and hugs and they have a, a moment and Dylan is just like, you know, you really should go to that funeral. And McCoy's like, you really are an a-hole, aren't you? My favorite part of that funeral scene is that the, the other matchmaker who like they've had this rivalry. This yeah, this time. woman who's like, she's like, oh, get out of my pub. She's standing at the grave and she looks up into heaven and she goes, I'm going to miss you. And then she thinks about it for a second and then she looks down at the ground and <laughs> And she goes, I'm going to miss you. <laughs> <laughs> They're at the funeral, and Sean's like, oh, hey, by the way, you need to stop by Dermot's place to Marcy just because he had something he for it. So she goes to the house, and she looks, and she sees there's a package that literally is, like, taped with her name on it. And as she looks up, she sees a picture of her next to Sean. Like, there are two pictures of them that the, the matchmaker targets. has put them together. <laughs> She kind of sighs and kind of leaves. And so they are going to go home soon. They're like, fine, let's do this matchmaking thing. And so they go to this room and they're like, look, what? all they need to do is talk for 20 minutes. Alone. Alone. And Dennis Larry's like, yeah, cool story, bro. And like pushes, <laughs> shoves, her. shoves her away with all like the, the cameras. <laughs> and they're kind of set up in this intimate. It's a tete-a-tete, a tete-a-tete, a tete-a-tete. I don't know. A tete-a-tete. A tete-a-tete. Okay, sure. And they start talking a little bit. He's like, so, you know, I'm John McGlory. What's your name? And she says, oh, Moira Kelly. And he's like, oh, what was your maiden name? And she says, oh, Kennedy. And that causes Dennis Leary to, like, fall. He, he pushes a, a picture, frame off, a picture frame off the wall. And he's like, no, no, no. That, keep going. That's good. He's like, can we get a close-up of on her, please? Yeah. <laughs> but it's time for Marcy to go. They all go. They take They're, Moira with them. The two brothers, Sean and his brother, start fighting again. They call the police because they're making such a ruckus. So as they get to the hotel, they round the corner, and the boys have started their fight has spilled into the th- street, and so bam, <laughs> they hit Sean Kelly. <laughs> He's sent to the hospital. And so Marcy's like, "Hey, I gotta go." She talks to the brother, but Sean's not there, and so the brother's like, "Oh, okay, well, cool." And she's like, "Oh, well, can you tell him I'm left?" Yeah, yeah, sure. And so this pisses off his wife. Sarah Kelly, Corey star of the film, who races over, races to the hospital with him. And is like, like, you didn't tell him. Sean's like, well, what do I do? And because he, he's like got his full leg in a cast. And they're like, well, you know, can you drive me? And she's like, I don't have a license. And so both an brothers <laughs> have like full leg cast, the, the same, same leg, leg cast. <laughs> they race off to the car. Sarah's in the backseat. leg out. And a leg up on the dash. Definitely a manual car. And you hear the grinding of gears. So what's happening is, is that Sean (laughs) is using his right foot for the gas (laughs) and shifting. And his brother is having to use his right leg for the clutch. They're trying to catch up with Marcy. They go around a corner and there's a big truck and they drive into a ditch. As that happens, (laughs) the plane takes off. And I missed it. But then Sarah says, oh, my leg. 
Yeah, so all three of them you know must have broken legs. legs. So once Marcy gets home, we find out what the package is. The vignettes we've been seeing the whole movie with Dermot talking about how wonderful matchmaking is and how good he is. And so what it's been is that's been his pitch to Marcy for her to find a couple of Yanks to bring over so he can match them up. What do you say? And of course, she's just bawling at that. Yeah. Cut to (laughs) McGlory has won partially due to his future wife, Moira Kennedy Kennedy. McGlory. (laughs) Marcy turns around and sees the senator's father who he's like, I'm so sorry. We've searched everywhere. We couldn't find McGlory in Ireland. He's like, well, of course you didn't because we're Hungarian. (laughs) So I have a press conference at the end and Dennis Leary is dominating The press conference, and for some reason, Marcy's up there, and they ask a question to Marcy. And Dennis, of course, starts to mansplain. Marcy just rolls her eyes and gets up and leaves. Dennis is like, hey, where are you going? You know, McClory's been drinking, and uh, you need to babysit him. He's a moron. And so Marcy's like, could you say that again? And so he starts talking about how, like, yeah, no, you know, he's Dennis Leary's the one who won the election, and and McClory's a moron, and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, what's happening is he still has the mic on. Dennis Larry kind of walks back into the room and he's like, ah, kind of a joke we were playing. Everyone's looking at him like, you're so fired. <laughs> Marcy leaves and we notice Sean. And so he commandeers the mic because he's not going to catch up with her. And he sings her another horrible Irish song. It's the same song. Same horrible <laughs> Irish drinking song. They have a, a kiss. Not a, it, it's very oh, much it's a, a very awkward yeah, which kind of leads me High to h- how I kiss. feel about this movie. So, <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So, um, so oh, that was the I matchmaker. I hear it. <laughs> oh, it's okay. So Janine Garofalo puts in an amazing performance mm-hmm. here. She does a great job. There are some issues with the script, which you might expect, because there was one person given the original screenwriter title. And then there are three other people who also have screenplay credit. One of our favorite writers, Graham Linehan, who, by the way, you're looking at me. You don't know that name. Uh-uh. That is the writer, producer, and showrunner of the IT crowd. What? So he was one of the credited writers. So I'm going to say. Oh, my gosh. Everything good in this script, I think, probably came from him and from Janine. <laughs> And yep. and when and when you read, there's oh gosh, very little written about this movie. The and amazing. It is amazing. And so I'm guessing. Oh, it's good crack. Yeah. So the crack joke, which also <laughs> is in the IT crowd, I'm guessing, came from him. There are some very funny and, and charming parts of this. Mm-hmm. And when Janine Garofalo talks about this movie, like she had so much fun, and I completely believe. Oh, her. she, she looks has. Like she's having a ball. A blast. I did not in any way buy the whole love story between her and Sean. So it's a bit long. And part of that is just because part of the Irish charm is, again, if you can say it in (laughs) shortly, why would you do that when you can say it the long way around? Let's do that to our audience. Yes. So I would put it as a thumb in the middle. The second has everything to do on how you feel of Irish movies. If you like Waking Ned Divine, I'd give it a thumb in the middle and a thumb up. Okay. Do you like Waking Ned Divine? I don't. So for me, I'm a thumb in the middle, a thumb in the middle. But if okay. you do not like Irish movies, this would be a thumb in the middle and a thumb down, which I realize is a complete cop out as an answer. Yeah. But there is no way. But you're way. trying to make me not cry anymore, right? That's true. Okay. And yeah, and that's, that's if you like Irish movies. I love Irish movies. Then this would be a thumb up, a thumb up and Irish a thumb in the middle. Shows. Exactly. I love Irish actors. If you don't like, you don't like rambling, girls. if you don't like rambling dairy girl type stuff, then... <laughs> This would not be the movie for you. Who gave you a bus license? You did.
gonna try to go ahead and do this even though the people next door are having a rock and rage and party and I cannot tell you how many people they've jammed into their 900 square foot condo yeah there's a lot they're having a moment of relative calm we're gonna need a lot of outside celebration because there will not be any inside celebrating wow (laughs) we watched boondock saints Mm-hmm. There was a moment where it looked like we weren't going to finish it, and we'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. uh, Before we talk about that, though, um, I'm just real curious to know, how did Boondock Saints hold up for you? Uh, does the movie hold up? No, it does not hold up. It, Boondock Saints was seen as cutting edge at the time, very independent cinema, and was clearly inspired by Quentin Tarantino, which he doesn't even hide. So it's kind of like a fever dream fantasy based off of true romance without the romance component. Looking back on it, it's it's a movie for guys who like action movies, which make no sense and are just excuses to shoot a bunch of bad guys up and try to act like it's the right, you know, that they're totally civilized. Bit sophomoric, so more sophomoric than I remember. So I just want to say, first of all, that there is a huge trigger warning. Do not watch this movie if you like animals. There was a point in the movie where we had to turn it off and I had to leave because I'm not going to describe it, but something happens to a very cute cat. Oh, you didn't leave. (laughs) You crossed your arms and stared me down <laughs> as I was profusely apologizing because I had forgotten about such trigger. Mm, so I did not appreciate that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this almost didn't happen. We almost had a five-minute portion of this movie. Yeah, we literally we, we were like, oh, should we just review it up to this point and then just stop? <laughs> but I went back to it again the next day, and you fast-forwarded well past that point. Mm-hmm. I'm a little mad because I didn't know what was going on. So when I went to go do my notes, I was just going to do it based off of what I remember, like what I knew to be true. You know, I always look at the script and then I look at like, you know, the plot points just to make sure I have them. And mm-hmm. I was like, that I don't remember any of that happening. Mm-hmm. So then I had to watch it a third time and fast forward. Mm-hmm. So I was real uh, irritated by that. Well, Corey, do you have a pitch for this movie? to do a pitch no i'm not doing a pitch for this movie should i do a pitch for this movie um, i mean out of like anger i don't want to two idiots one is cute one's not so cute you thought one of them was cute yeah oh oh wow All right. <laughs> okay professional okay um <laughs> okay how about this here's my pitch uh-huh. they are in the boondocks and they are saints that's my pitch So I'm going to just kind of tell this in the order of the plot. There's some storytelling devices that they use, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's going to be too hard for me to explain that right now. So I'm going to explain the plot points and then I'll go back and talk about that. Fair Um, enough. So don't freak out. I caught it. I just, I'm not talking about it right this moment. Okay. All right. So we've got two brothers and uh, they're in a church in Boston on St. Patrick's Day. And as the priest is talking about uh, this lady named Kitty Genovese, who was attacked about 30 years ago, and supposedly nobody came to her aid, even though many saw and simply watched as her killer walked away. Which, this actually, I don't know if it's based on it, but there was a case where a woman was, like, screaming for help in a apartment complex, and people... They say that pe- people didn't help her, but when I, had, I watched the documentary, and actually it was kind of cool because her, her brother her family were there, and they found out that people actually did try to help her, and that was like a misnomer. Yeah, it's it's used here in Boondock Saints and was also in the beginning of a comic book series called The Watchmen, 
is dramatized for effect, both to inspire vigilantes in both situations. So the brothers get up uh, and they waltz onto the altar and in the middle of service and say a prayer and they kiss Jesus's feet and then they just walk out as the priest is urging the people to take a stand and to fight indifference. And nobody seems to think that's weird except for this one visiting Monsignor or whatever. He like goes to stop them and they, they're like, no, no, that's what they do. The brothers are Connor and Murphy McManus and they're played by Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus, mm-hmm. who I always think that Norman Reedus is Edward Furlong, like when he was in The Walking Dead, right? Mm-hmm. I never watched The Walking Dead. I've seen like five minutes of it because for some reason my mom spent her entire life not letting us watch anything scary whatsoever. But all of a sudden in her 60s, she decides Walking Dead is her favorite show. So is Norman Reedus the one you thought was cute? No. Okay. However, comma, when I was in junior high, I fell in love with Edward Furlong and I had a weird obsession with Terminator 2. Not because I liked Terminator 2. But because I had a huge crush on Edward Furlong. So, yes, I always think he's Edward Furlong, but he is not Edward Furlong. No, he's not. So, they're apparently fraternal twins, which I don't think they ever say that, but okay. They walk out into the sunlight together and light up their cigarettes. And they each have a matching Mother Mary tattoo on their neck. And they have tattoos on their hands. One of them has Veritas on their hand, which means truth. The other Mm -hmm. one has, is it Aquitas? Aquitas? Aquitas. Aquitus? Aquitus? I think Aquitus. Aquitus, which means justice. Mm -hmm. So they have truth and justice on their hands. And thick pea coats. I'm like, dude, aren't you? But it's March. Yeah. St. Patrick's Day. But it's super hot outside. You can just, I'm just like, dude, they're killing it. Just so you know, uh, because we watched on, I watched on Amazon Prime on my laptop to catch up to figure out what was going on. And these trivia kept popping up. And Mm -hmm. it said that it's supposed to be St. Patrick's Day, but it probably was not. Because there was leaves on the trees. Mm. So there's all this like trivia that kept popping up. And I was nice. like, oh, interesting. <laughs> They're doing your research for you. <laughs> they are. After some shenanigans at the meatpacking plant that they work at, the brothers go uh, to a pub to party because it's, remember, St. Patrick's Day. We meet Rocco. And I kept calling him Rico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he is going to be heretofore referred to as Rico Suave because he has long hair and he thinks he's sexy. So I'm going to call him Rico Suave because I hate him. <laughs> And I'm not even going to wait till the end to tell you that I hate him. Mm -hmm. So we learn from the bartender. He says that that the Russians are taking over his bar. And then as we're talking about it, the Russians actually show up. And they try to kick everybody out. And so then we flash to the next day where Detective Greenlee is standing outside an alley where said Russians are lying dead in the street. And I knew that I recognized him and I couldn't quite place him. And then I realized that he's a comedian that I have thoroughly enjoyed in the past. Uh, Bob Marley, not that one. So he's trying to explain the scene. And as he's explaining what he thinks that is going on, they bring in FBI agent uh, Smecker, which mm-hmm. is played by Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. And he tells him that his theory is cute, but he'll be taking over from now on. And then he orders a cafe latte from him and makes him very angry. Twist of lemon, sweet Twist and low. Twist of lemon, sweet and low. <laughs> And we know he's really classy because he puts on um, earphones and um, he starts listening to, he's like investigating to the sounds of opera. Keep in mind this is 1999, so we got a flat out Discman walk player. <laughs> does it have bass boost? It, it surely does because that thing looks as big as a Texas belt buckle. As Gary Goldman says, you know, walking around with a manhole cover sized uh, Discman. So uh, he's got some theories and when Greenlee 
Bob Marley, argues with him, he threatens to also order a bagel. <laughs> so we see the brothers in the hallway um, at a hospital, and the bartender, he comes to get them, and he tells them that Agent Smacker has been by and gave him his card. And so the brothers are kind of deciding, like, you know, what should we do? We Should we turn ourselves in or not? Like, it was self-defense. They're kind of, sh- that's what the, the bartender says. Yeah, that's what he said. And they're kind of, he does. He says, yeah, that's what he, because he said, self, the bartender says that it was probably self-defense. And they're like, well, we didn't even talk to him yet. So how does he know that? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I think, what pushes them. Mm-hmm. You're looking at, I've seen it three times. I just, I, I've never seen so many pronouns in one. <laughs> One what sentence. Does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> he said he thought that he said that he thought. Oh, yeah. I don't. I, whatever. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so then there uh, that we have a seat at the police station, and Smecker's talking about his theory, and Greenlee's like, "Yeah, you know, they're like out of here. They got their car, and they're like gone. You're gonna have to drag a potato through the neighborhood to get them." And then all of a sudden, the boys pop up in their robes and they say, oh, you'd have much better luck with a bear. So they've come to turn themselves in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Smecker orders a onion bagel onion with cream bagel cheese. With cream cheese, yeah. Which, good choice. That's what I, I like to order. That's of course, good. nobody wants to be around you after that, but who cares? Because onion bagels are delicious. And you're married, so hey. <laughs> and you can't smell anyway. <laughs> 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 we always know, like... <laughs> If Keith can smell something, that is real bad. Like when our neighbors are smoking pot next door. Mm-hmm. Can you smell when they do that? I don't know if I do every time, but yeah, it's oh, uh, okay. We have skunks in the vent every once in a while, so yeah. Yeah, I sometimes we can't tell if it's a skunk outside or if someone's skunking us. You can't ever tell. Yeah. It's just a party at this uh, place we live in. Mm-hmm. So Smecker decides not to press charges and lets the boys stay the night in a cell. Yeah, they have a, a press conference scene and, and. Oh, they did. <laughs> Yeah, out out front, and that and one of the things that, as they're going through this, like the boys are fluent in like five, six languages or something like that, and going back and forth. And oh, that explains my next question. And at the very end, like no. Smackers, like well, there's a ton of press outside, and one of the other cops who's like fanboying the the Boondock Saints is like, oh, we've got an extra cell. And oh. I mean, it's a crappy room because like the rain is raining down on their faces. So I, mean, I think it's part a of cell, that, right? Well, part of it's also for a oh, effect. Artistic. Yeah, because that's when they have their their. Good... I, mm, do you want to tell this? No, we don't. That'll be hours. Whoa! <laughs> I just cut Matchmaker, and it took me three days. <laughs> <laughs> but like watching it was three days. But anyway. <gasps> don't give it away. Oh yeah, we already. <laughs> they probably listened to it. Okay. So yeah, so they're in their cell, and they're, they're getting rained on, and then they have this religious experience, or as I like to say, a folly a deux. Which, they're not the only twins to experience a folly a deux, which is a madness shared by two. Hmm. There were these twins in England, and they were acting really, really strangely. They were, like, walking along the freeway, and so they have, like, CTV cameras everywhere. So they sent cops out there because they're, like, on the freeway. And the cops just so happened that day, they were filming, like, an episode of Cops, like, England-style cops. Cops? Cops, Bobby's. It's called Bobby's. <laughs> and so they're like on the side of the road. And I've watched this documentary. It's insanity. They're standing there talking. And then all of a sudden, one runs out into the middle of the freeway and gets hit by a truck. 
and like flies over the truck and you see it and then the other one runs out and gets hit by a car and the one sister gets up and starts running on the other side of the freeway if you want to see it it's insanity it's called madness in the fast lane you can watch it on youtube it's crazy anyway so they realize that they need to get rid of the wicked so the innocent will flourish Mm. which they say they say it together so i guess that means this we're gonna do this now there wasn't a whole lot of explanation this Mm -hmm. whole movie there isn't a whole lot of explanation but we're somehow supposed to know things so the public and the papers are starting to call them the saints of south boston what you said before about the languages kind of answers my question because so they have this pager that belonged to one of the russians and they get paged so sean patrick flannery i'm gonna call him spf (laughs) so you think he was the cute one yeah okay so spf speaks russian because he like calls the number and they're speaking russian and he finds out that there's going to be this like i don't know pickup or meeting or like staff meeting or like a drug deal or i don't know something with a bunch of russians are gonna is gonna be there a mixer a mixer (laughs) it's a slumber party um they're gonna have snacks yeah in the makeover. So they go on their first mission, and they bungle it a little by getting into a fight up in the air duct, mm-hmm. as brothers are wont to do. And they go crashing through the ceiling right over where the party's happening. And uh, luckily they get caught up in their rope. They manage to kill everyone in the room, like an upside-down spinning chandelier with four firing guns, is how they, they do it. And a few minutes later... Rico Suave shows up, and he was sent to assassinate the Russians. And he realizes that he was set up by his Italian crime boss because he was given a six-shooter to kill nine mobsters. And Rico finds out from some idiots in a diner the next day that all the Italian mobsters knew about it, except for him. And so he gets mad, and he kills everyone in broad daylight in this diner. So we're skipping the traumatizing scene with the cat. Mm -hmm. And Rico Suave decides he's going to join the brothers, and their list seems to consist of all the people who have slighted Rico. And that's one of the issues with the film, is it's like, hey, all these evil people doing stuff. I've worked with them for the past five or ten years, so we should kill all of them. Because I don't like them. But me, (laughs) I'm fine. Right. I'm good people. So I just do their bidding. Yeah. Yeah. So one of those is uh, La Pazzi, who's played by Ron Jeremy, at a peep show. And I won't go in too much into it, but they kill a bunch of people at a peep show. So Smecker comes to each of these crime scenes that are happening, and he's confounded by the evidence left behind because it shows that, as you said before, there are two really good assassination, uh, assassinations, assassinators, assassins. Don't put your head in your hand. I don't know or care. Assassinators. Assassinator that word. Assassin. Assassin. <laughs> I will allow that for this moment. Okay. So, um, and then one really incompetent bungler. See that the other two should be assassins, and then there's an. And he should be an assassin. Yeah. Okay. So we have two assassins and one assassin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Italian boss is worried that he's going to be assass- assassinated next. So. <laughs> so he calls in Il Duce. Mm-hmm. who is in prison for clipping wise guys, Cody Fingers. And they're all afraid of him because he's a monster, which I laughed at because it's Billy Connolly. Yeah, it's the guy that they would use to when they had to take out one of their own. Fortunately, it just so happens that he has been granted parole, so he's totally available like right now. They Well, they established that the Italian mobster pulled strings to make sure he could get pardoned. The guy with the urinal mitts? 
Yeah, that was that was part of the deal was that they were going to work together to make sure that he got his parole. The guy so that works be, in the bathroom now. So yeah, who's the crime boss before the current crime boss? Oh, now he works in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and he may or may not be blind. He's totally blind. He's not. I, I'm he sorry. looks right at him. Are you expecting any part of this movie to make sense? Because I think that might be your problem. Okay. So, so maybe it was the performance. So that's supposed, like, that's supposed to be the thing. I was really confused because I was like, well, he has a stick, but he's not blind. <laughs> sorry. The writing is just that good. Um. So meanwhile, Rico Suave is making a case to kill this assassin that he once had to work with who snubbed him and didn't even talk to him the whole time they were wiping out in a an entire family. <laughs> cut to a storytelling device that we cut to after the action where Smecker talks us through the crime while standing inside of the flashback as it happens. And after the brothers Enrico Suave bump everyone off at this poker game, they try to leave out the front door of the house and they're confronted with Il Duce, who's equipped with at least six guns. And there's this shootout and Rico Suave loses his finger. And the boys managed to scare off Il Duce, which didn't make sense, with a few wounds to the arms and legs. He's supposed to be an amazing assassin, but okay. And um, then they spray ammonia on all of their bloodstains, and they escape. So Smecker thinks that there was, uh, like, a six men involved. There was a great firefight or something. There was a great firefight! <laughs> as he desk pops, as the... That's my note here in the side. Oh, it said it says desk pop question mark. Mm-hmm. Don't you get fired for that? You can't do that. Are you expecting any little <laughs> bit of this movie to make sense or Okay. All I know is in the other guys when when Will Ferrell did the desk pop, mm-hmm. <laughs> he got demoted to that, the desk. That might be an issue when when the other guys is more police accurate <laughs> than your movie. But <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not an officer of the law. So I, I wish know. I was watching the other guys. And I also, I didn't know that you could spray ammonia on blood and like it would go away. Like, well, why isn't everyone spraying ammonia on their blood after? I, you know, honestly, I don't know if that works like, or not. Why are you getting caught? Greenlee kind of floats the idea that maybe it was one guy with six guns. And so Specker has a tantrum and he throws himself into some bushes nearby. Mm-hmm. And he just so happens to find Rico's missing finger. Mm-hmm. But he kind of keeps it on the DL. And he does some tests on his own, and he discovers mm-hmm. that it's Rico Suave. I guess he saw them with the with the boys. Is that how he knew they were connected? As that first press conference was happening, Rico walks in with uh, with all the stuff for the Boondock Saints. Oh, okay. Yeah, I missed that. I for was, the slumber party, I wasn't where they attention. were spending the night. So, right, right, yeah. right. So the boys go back to their hideout, and they fix their wounds with an iron. And Specker goes to a bar, and he gets plastered, um, and then he ends up at a church. And he walks into the confessional because he's conflicted because he thinks that what the boys are doing is right, but taking matters into your own hands is wrong. Mm-hmm. And so Rico Suave sees Smecker go into the church, and he follows him in there to see what he's going to do. So the twins follow Rico into the church, and they find out that he's taken the father hostage so that he can find out if what if Smecker is going to tell on them or not. Because Smecker's like totally plastered. He doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And Rico's got a gun to the, the, the priest's head, and it's just... And then they're like... Got a, do they have a gun? Their gun to his head, like mm-hmm. knock it off. Yeah, so it's just this big cluster. Luckily, Smecker decides out loud that he's gonna help them, and everything's okay, and what they're doing is great. Knowing that he's on their side, the boys decide to call him from a payphone, and they tell him about Il Duce, and they plan to finish off all of the rest of the Italians that night. And Smecker finds out that the Italians 
are actually planning to ambush the boys. There, so then there's this torture scene, and they kill Rico Suave. So they bust out of their restraints. At the same time, Smucker has dressed up like a lady of the night and shows up to the house, too. And one of the underlings thinks that he's going to get lucky. And he ends up making out with Smucker. Smucker's wig starts to slip off and gives him away. Mm-hmm. And not his Adam's apple or his voice or his five o'clock shadow. Mm-hmm. Also, when did Smucker have the time to make himself up and get his nails done? I don't know anything, but I know that takes longer than five minutes. It, that took a while. This wasn't an emergency situation. Are you expecting he, any part of this movie? <laughs> he should have had his wig on crooked and like <laughs> lipstick on his teeth. And then that was that we would have had time for that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, Smucker ends up uh, sticking his high heel in the guy's groin and shoots him. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, the twins, uh, they've gotten out of the dungeon and they've bro- broken out of their restraints and they're walking around and they find that one of the underlings has his throat cut. And Il Duce has shown up and he's killed some people too. And he walks in to find the twins praying this prayer over their prayer that they pray every time they murder mm-hmm. um, over Rico Suave. And he kneels down and joins them. Cut to court day for the Italian boss. And the reporters comment that he's going to walk. And we see Il Duce and the twins. And they're coming out of a police van. And it's obvious that Greenlee and Smecker are also in on it, too. So they walk into the courtroom and make everybody watch as they blow the Italian boss away. And at some point, they've pulled the fire alarm so that they can get away afterwards. They're basically the evil Irish Santa. They say, if you sin, please sin. <laughs> Krampus we, is going to get we'll you. We'll find you. Like far and away. But they're like, I will find you. Oh, no, no, no. That's not the Mohicans. <laughs> We cut to this very confusing scene where the boys are sitting around with Il Duce and they say, how far are we going to take this, da? And I was like, oh, was he their father all along? Why would he shoot him if he was their father? He established the prayer was. And I was like, is that why they got away even though he had six guns? And then I was like, well, I guess they all knew they were related because earlier they make a big deal about how Rico, Rico wanted, wanted in on the prayer and they're like, oh, it's a family thing. So I guess that's how they knew they were related. There's a lot yeah. of explanation um, on the Boondock Saints wiki page, mm-hmm. which I don't know where they got this info from since they don't say anything in the film. But I guess there's like a sequel, so maybe they put it all in there. I would imagine. I mean, the, the writer, director, composer of this movie has done. <laughs> okay, now I know. Has, has done. It. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he has like four or five credits on his IMDb. Three of which are the Boondock Saints, which is his debut. Boondock Saints 2, which has been released about 10 years later. And Boondock 3 is in uh, pre-production right now. So Ooh. I'm sure you're happy to see that. Yeah. Um, and so then we get to see, I think it's Patty McBride, who is the, the newscaster. She's interviewing people on the street. And a lot of them are probably related to somebody in the movie because they're terrible. Mm-hmm. And so they're all talking about whether they think that the Boondock Saints are good or they're bad or whatever. And we have, so that's, like, it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that the F word is used over 246 times in that, this movie? That would make sense. I would not dispute that number. <laughs> okay, so I really liked the storytelling device that they used to explain the crimes. I liked how Smucker, like, literally at one point... He's, like, right alongside the boys as they're shooting their guns. He's, like, using finger mm-hmm. guns, and he's, like, on his knees like they are. And and I love how it progressed. It got more and more elaborate mm-hmm. as it went on. So, by yeah, that third time, 
he uh, but it, it was it is like a, he's just an observer and then he like gets into the action and this is when he spirals through the movie but i i love the device and how what you would have is you'd have the start of an action scene like they're going in the door and then the next scene is smecker and then he describes what happened mm-hmm. so i i actually really did like the soundtrack i thought the soundtrack fit well with what was happening i did like the twins especially spf and of course i love bob marley it seems like they just kind of let willem dafoe go a little bit let him just kind of run with it yeah which seemed like a little bit too much at certain times Uh but i mean like (laughs) like he is the indelible part of this movie to me his performance which is just taking chicken stuff and making chicken salad out of it like i i think without i think without willem i think this movie Mm would have just been fell flat yeah um, I hated Rico Suave, but I think we all know that. Yeah, he was playing a completely unlikable character, and uh, but he's supposed to be one of the heroes. One of the huge gaps in this is it's like, well, he's a gangster, but he's our friend, so you know we're so concerned about morality, but we're totally fine with our buddy being mm-hmm. part of this. I thought there was way too much frivolous violence. A man wrote this, and he thinks it's pretty cool. Do you want to hear his personal influences? Oh, God. Okay. In his bio on IMDb, he has cited... Was, wait, wait, wait. Does it say, first time director, long time? <laughs> no. <laughs> long time film lover. <laughs> um, it's just one of the things I, I do. do. Yeah. <laughs> In his IMDb bio, which I have not fact-checked, but it says he includes his influences as Siddhartha, Lord of the Barnyard, The Catcher of the Rye, and Penthouse Forum. Wow. <laughs> so do you want to hear who Miramax wanted to be Paul Smecker? Who? Their short list was Sylvester Stallone was their preferred, followed by Bill Murray and Mike Myers. What? Did I, they want it to be a comedy? Well, that's the – yeah, that's – well, remember, that's, that's – That's like if looks could kill territory. Yeah, that's around the, the time that – Mike Myers was trying to branch out. And like when you got like Billy Connolly. Oh, like when Mike Myers was the guy in, in the studio 54. 54 yeah. Okay. That's stay in stay, stay stay over in the 54 Mike Myers. Stay stay in your lane. So uh, <laughs> stay in lane 54. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure why you liked it because there's not even like really fighting scenes. It's just gun battles. Do you like gun battles? And squibs? A lot of squib action. <laughs> Especially when the squibs go off before you fired the gun. <laughs> that was my favorite during the diner scene. I I literally burst out laughing. And I was like, you you saw that and you were like, I am not I seeing. I don't even care. I'm not seeing any of this movie. I don't know. <laughs> I'm that not one. even looking at this movie. So you want to hear my rating? Yeah. What's your rating? Two thumbs way down. I am shocked. I hated it. Yeah. I felt bad. <laughs> Well, we did it. We both had a terrible time. (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst St. Patrick's Day ever. This is a COVID-worthy St. Patty's (laughs) Day, but we need to to up our Irish game for next time. So, I guess. I mean, we're both Irish, so. Yeah. Maybe we could go to Ireland. Yeah, we should do a podcast in Ireland. That's what we should do. No, we should just go to Ireland and just talk about it when we get back. You always have to, like, Keith always has to have, like, a reason to travel. I'm always multitasking. And I'm like, can we just go see some stuff, please? I need to get out of here. So the other thing that I just realized is that we're about, like, about a year. Yeah. It's going to be a... It's like a real birth-aversary. Birth-aversary, because we've got our birthdays coming up, Mm -hmm. so... One day apart. Yay! 
and our, our well two days apart was one day between us so we thought for the podcast we would do the movie that we really want to see mm-hmm. and i knew this was the only time i was gonna get to play this card <sighs> <laughs> i just i love this movie and i suggest it every single time we meet to talk about what me- movies we're gonna do and we always and i always get vetoed because he thinks it's going to be too uncomfortable and he's going to spend the whole time in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And I told him, if you want to watch some of it in the hallway, it's fine. So it's called The Switch. And it's mm-hmm. got Jason Bateman mm-hmm. and uh, Juliette Lewis, Jennifer Aniston, mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum's in it. Mm-hmm. No, you, you tried to get me to watch it like three times. And every time, it's like it. within five to 15 minutes, I'm like, I'm done. I'm gone. <laughs> I don't think it'll make you too uncomfortable if you just like give it a try. So then you got to pick any movie in the whole world that you wanted me to see. Mm-hmm. And, and what so did you choose? Captain America, The Winter Soldier. <laughs> Which you took me to see for one of your birthdays when it first came out. When it first came out. And I don't weekend. remember any of it. Every week I come up with, this is the next Marvel movie. And you're like, no. <laughs> so Captain America, The Winter Soldier, some people say, is the best Marvel movie that's mm-hmm. been made up to this point. Mm-hmm. Got Robert Redford. Got, uh, Robert Redford. Oh, yeah. I think what happened was is that you you brought me and gave me a bowl of nachos and a Slurpee, and then that was all that mattered. If you're gonna let me reveal all my secrets, I don't know, but yes, that is. I'm very food motivated. It, yes, exactly. That's so. how you got me to see the Hunger Games is because you took me to Sinopolis, where you took me to Sinopolis with the siren song of. Uh, open bar and wait staff mm-hmm. at my at, at fingertips. my fingertips, and that's how you got me to watch two Hunger Games. I think. I think so. Well <laughs> worth it. We will both be happy for our birthday. Yeah, for our happy episode, birthday, which will be happening soon. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening. Check out our Facebook page and our Instagram page. Should we give a shout out to David Rains, who is one of our friends who? Oh, has yeah. talked to both of us how much he loves the show and is an <laughs> amazing writer and actor. Yes. And so, David Rains, thank you. Thank for you listening. for listening to us, David. Great. So, yes, thank you for our new listener friends. We, we love you. And if, if you want to make all our birthday wish dreams come true, mm-hmm. if you go on iTunes and you review and mm-hmm. rate, you don't even have to write like a review. You mm-hmm. could just say, hey, happy birthday or something. Mm-hmm. But I would, we would love to get those. Well, we'll talk at you later. Espiritu Santo. Espiritu Santo. <laughs> well, Espiritu Santo to you later. And shepherds we will be for thee, my Lord, for thee. Power hath descended forth from thy hand. Our feet may swiftly carry out thy commands. So we shall flow a river forth to thee, and teeming with souls shall there ever be. In nomine patri et filii et spiritus sancti. Espiritu Santo. Sancti. Oh. Is what it says here. Um, we probably to be cool, like the movie, we should do it together, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Zinger!